Welcome to BuildCast, where we delve into the backstories of experts and other players in the built environment to reveal their journey and how they got built. Join us in our conversation to learn from their life experiences, to be the catalyst for innovation, and to make sustainable building mainstream building. Now here is your host and the principal thinker at Build Tank Inc., Robbie Schwartz. Hello, and thanks for listening to this extended version of the BuildCast. It is a bit longer than usual, but I think if you listen to it in pieces over time, you'll get a lot out of it. Brett Dillon has worked in the home energy rating index world for years. In the past, as a ResNet board member, he was one of the leaders of the creation of the ANSI 301 standard. The standard lays out the calculation and labeling of the energy rating performance of dwellings and sleeping units using an energy rating index. He ran a successful rating company providership under ResNet, and now using the ANSI 301 standard, he has created an alternative energy rating index score and system in his newly created organization, Building Science Institute. The ResNet ANSI IECC standard 301 governs how an energy rating index score is created. ResNet went down this path to ANSIFY the energy rating index from my perspective, because they felt that there was a market opportunity for energy raters in the world of energy code compliance. An unintended consequence of the ANSI standard 301 is that there are now multiple energy rating index scores and a need to specifically describe the score one is talking about. Most notably, the ERI score for the IECC compliance and the ERI score for the ResNet HERS ratings are different for the same house. In fact, I have seen the number be as much as 16 points different. The score variation is one of the reasons Brett says he has created an alternative to the ResNet Energy Rating Index. As you will hear, Brett feels that variation in the score is created due to other issues associated with ResNet's MinHERS or Mortgage Industry National Home Energy Rating Standards. You will hear me trying to understand his point of view and me pushing back a bit as I was not fully understanding what he was saying. I now feel that I do understand and will try to explain what he was saying so it will make our conversation a bit more understandable. The ANSI 301 standard is a continuous maintenance standard. This means that updates, amendments, and additions to the standards are continually being worked on When they are completed, ANSI adds the changes to the next published version of the standard. Currently, we're using the ANSI 301-2019 standard, and the ANSI 301-2022 version of the standard will be released shortly. This is one reason why the International Energy Conservation Code, or IECC, only recognizes a specific version of the standard in the language of the code. In addition, the ICC cannot adopt a proprietary standard into the code, so Energy Rating Index, or ERI, was used in the 301 standard instead of calling it the HERS Index Score. Now, ResNet has the MinHERS standards, which generally offers guidance on requirements other than how the HERS ERI score is generated. For example, it addresses training and quality assurance requirements for ResNet HERS raters. 
It appears that ResNet is using the MinHER standard as a means to implement updates, amendments, and additions to the ANSI 301 standard immediately into the software modeling rather than waiting for ANSI to publish the 301 standard. It has been determined that the primary reason for the HERS and ERI score differences is a ventilation amendment within the R406 section of IECC. This ability to use the MinHERS standards to implement continual maintenance amendments to the ANSI 301 standard can also cause the HERS ERI score to change when a new version of the software is released. Approved ResNet software generally, generally releases updates at least once a year, perpetuating variations between the ResNet ERI and the ICC ERI. You will hear Brett speak to software consistency and reasons that may be causing variations in the HERS ERI score, and that Brett hopes will be eliminated by the Building Science Institute. The ultimate issue, however, may be that we have yet another ERI score that will continue to add to the market confusion that was already created by the ICC ERI and the HERS ERI scores after the creation of the ANSI 301 standard. Regardless, I'm interested in having more conversations on the BuildCast about energy rating index scores and the building codes and programs that are using them. Hopefully, I can make those conversations happen and we can learn more about software development and consistency, as well as ResNet and Energy Star's views on the impact of the ANSI 301 and the Building Science Institute. Please stay tuned, and in the meantime, enjoy the BuildCast. Hello, and welcome to the BuildCast. I'm Robbie Schwarz, and I'm here with Brett Dillon, who is the CEO of the Dillon Group and general manager of the newly established Building Science Institute. So we're here today to learn more about what the Building Science Institute is, what the Dillon Group does, and more importantly, how um, Brett got to where he is today. So how are you today, Brett? I'm doing great, Robbie. You look amazing. Um, I know everybody else probably may not be able to see you, but um, you're looking good. The yeah, it's really been a while since we've uh, talked to each other with the hiatus of the of the pandemic and seeing people in person. So it's great to see you as well. Yeah, one of the one of the big problems for me, you know, I recently had a, a leg cut off, so I've been, <laughs> I haven't been getting out as much as I normally do. Uh, I miss seeing everybody. I, I, I miss one of the things that I really missed was the the casual breakfast that we would have at the conference hotels or, you know, sitting at the bar, drinking some beer and just solving thorny problems or just thinking through really thorny issues. Yeah. You know, and you bring a great perspective to things. It's, it's different and, and it forces me to think differently, which is something I always appreciate. So. Well, yeah. likewise, right back at you. I enjoyed those conversations a lot and I'm just, so happy to see you in such good spirits after going through uh, your leg issues and amputation. Uh, you were just saying that you've got a new prosthetic and it's working out really well. So congratulations and uh, hopefully everything will move forward smoothly here. Oh yeah, you know, it's it's just a thing. It was an event. And, and by the way, uh, to all your listeners, wear shower shoes when you travel. I, I broke a bone in a foot and then I didn't wear shower shoes for the first time in years. 
staying at a nice hotel. And uh, actually, I was on a field QA trip, <laughs> staying, at a, staying at a nice hotel and, you know, picked up a, an infection because I didn't wear shower shoes. And because um, it was a nice hotel, I didn't think I needed them. So I, I left them at home for the first time in years. And uh, anyway, that led me to where I am. And uh, but, it, you know, it's just a thing that happens. So we get on with life. Yeah. Well, again, you have great attitude all about it. So that I'm sure that that helps a lot there. So, yeah. um, Brett, you are have been in the home energy rating industry for a long time. Um, before that, were you a builder, a contractor? How did how'd you get interested in homes? I was born into it. My my dad was a third generation home builder and and he thought child labor laws meant you were supposed to work your children. Yeah. So like the earliest memory I have is sweeping sawdust off one of his slabs in California. Um, so that's that's what started it. And I always, you know, I was always in it and either working with my dad or or whatever. I tried to do lots of other things. I've I've got a really varied background. The you know, some of the things that I did were, you know, dangerous, and some of them were exciting, and some of them were absolutely boring, and some of them were just like, why the heck were you doing that? But I always kept coming back to home building, and and then I was um, I was actually a construction director for a Habitat for Humanity affiliate in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and. I went to a conference in Jacksonville, Florida, and ran into Janet McElvain. When I say ran into, uh, actually, that was the second time I ran into her. The first time I ran into her was at a Habitat, um, yeah, that's where it was, Habitat Conference in Jacksonville. And she uh, she was saying some provocative things to me. I, you know, I I'd came from the when in doubt, build it stout uh, wow. mindset you can never have too much wooden house and she was saying crazy things you know building 24 inches on center and all that she challenged a lot of the beliefs that i had but she had a lot of evidence to support that she was right and and i was very likely wrong and she challenged me to go back and look at houses that we'd built 10 years ago and see how well they were holding up and we had as a habitat affiliate we had just repossessed a house because the homeowner had been unable to pay their mortgage payment in over a year because she was choosing to pay her utility payment. That should have been my first clue. Yeah. yeah. And so then I, 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 I didn't build that house, so I could go through it and take a very critical eye at everything they did. And I walked through that house, and they built that house exactly the same way I was building the houses just down the street. And when I started to put my foot through the floor in the bathroom, I realized we had done something horribly wrong and we had to change the way we were building houses. So I called Janet up and she very graciously pointed me in lots of directions to get more information on how to build better homes. I joined uh, EBA at the time and and went down, embarked down the path of going from building homes that were marginally code compliant to to homes we we were one of 16 affiliates worldwide that won uh, an award from habitat international in 2001 uh, for our energy efficiency efforts 
and and we never i never looked back from that i did get fired from habitat but i never looked back the uh typical construction director versus executive director um kind of thing they wanted to build in a swamp and i said that was a bad idea they said but i can get 40 lots really cheap and i was like it doesn't matter that's that's uh, why you get them, get them for cheap yeah there's <laughs> a reason why <laughs> these these things will be underwater at some point it is it is in a floodplain and she said well the engineers say we can do it and i go they're wrong it's still a bad idea so anyway it was yeah. just another one of those events and I, and by the way, I, I ended up being right. They, they did build there and they ended up with a, a ton of mold infestations and all kinds of problems in those homes. Um, but you know, there's, my dad did teach me a couple of things about housing, very, you know, things that were very serious. One of them is don't build in swamps, which made it easy because, you know, in Southern California, we don't have a lot of swamps, but when we went to Tennessee, there's some swamps. He said, don't build in swamps. Yeah. And then, uh, and and he always was he always taught me you know build houses that you would be proud to have your mother live in and so whenever i was you know building habitat houses it was like i'm i want my mom to be proud of this and that that pride in in craftsmanship and you know and it carried through and, and showed up and the volunteers were i mean super awesome and you know i i got a core team of people to uh, to lead the effort and you know built a, a construction committee, I got everybody who could say no to the changes we were making to go to energy efficient construction on a construction committee. So they so then I and I told them here I'm going to present ideas to you. You're going to think they're wacky. Check them out. You, you, it has to be unanimous. So I had like 15 people. It has to be unanimous that we move forward with that idea. And if it isn't, you know, no problem. I'll, I'll can it and I'll come up with something else. And they went through and I, and I had the chief building official for the city on there. I had people from the regional planning agency on there. I, I got everybody, I got key volunteers on there. I got you know, everybody I could possibly think of that could say no. And I had to convince them before we implemented any of the things that we did. And that was, that was key for me because it made sure that I had a sanity check. You know, I, I had 15 people that ha I had to convince this was a good idea to invest our time, effort, and energy into building energy efficient, sustainable housing for low income folks, you know, and that's tough. So yeah. that's, that's what got me started. And then after that, I went to work for South Face Energy Institute and uh, I was their first regional earthcraft house program manager. And uh, I was the the green evangelist for South Face. I was on the road 70% of the time traveling the state of Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, and Alabama, um, taking the, the green building program there. Got to meet some really cool builders, um, interesting folks, different styles of building, and you know, different challenges that you face in different places that you don't get to see if you're just in one place. And then left South Face, went to work for uh, an urban renewal, urban revitalization um, developer. And I was their quality quality control person and um, started really working on getting quality into the construction. This is not just about, did you do these environmental things, but 
was the was a process involved that ensures that you can repeat this and can you improve the process to improve the quality and and that was critical um, because we were working with a lot of different contractors and we maintained design control design review and and we had to make sure that our vision for that home for energy efficiency sustainability and quality of construction held up and so i was working with the contractors their subcontractors every day making sure that happened and then i started my own company doing energy ratings and whatnot and then moved to san antonio texas to start up another energy rating company there with a business partner and uh, got involved with resnet i was on the training and education committee for a couple of years and then i was asked to chair the technical committee and uh, ran for the board of directors was elected served there for a few years and then we ended up with two committees we ended up with a technical committee and then we ended up with an ANSI standards development committee which was doing the same work as the technical committee so for the first time in the history of resnet i got a committee canned by board action they canned the uh, technical committee in favor of the ANSI standards development committee and i chaired that again going back recruiting a group of people who are divergent thinkers uh, people who disagreed with what i i think um and and getting them on that committee that was that was tough uh, because you're always trying to in a consensus process it's important to have dissent it's important to have you know different perspective it's it's critical otherwise you start suffering from groupthink and then and then you know and then what's the point of having a committee it's just a bunch of people sitting around rubber stamping things so that's uh that's where we were and we we produced the first two versions of ANSI 301 and uh, the first version of ANSI 380 and uh, and then I did not run for re-election and resigned all positions with ResNet at the end of 2017 so, so you that's were yeah, you were heavily entrenched, I guess, in inside of uh, ResNet, um, and ResNet is the Residential Energy Services Network, the governing body of the home energy rating world right right now, um, I guess. And so, I guess I guess we should just dive right into Building Science uh, Institute and what Building Science Institute is and why you decided to. Uh, create Building Science Institute? Well, the reason I decided to create the Building Science Institute was I kept, when I was in ResNet, I kept trying to change the industry from within to a, a better way, a, a common, you know, so where we could apply common sense to the quality management side of things, bring professionalism so that we've got a professional core of quality management folks that are that are working in the industry with the idea that that it's about improving the process you know if, if when you're doing when you're checking on people after the work has been done to see if you know their work met the requirements or whatever it, you're looking in the mirror you're not forward looking you're looking in the mirror and and W. Edwards Deming, who's the, you know one of the legends in in quality management, has said on more than one occasion and wrote that trying to improve quality 
through inspections and throwing out the bad ones doesn't work. It has to be an improvement of the process. And so I, I was trying to do that and in, in trying to infuse these ideas. And I, I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of folks, um, ran drafts of working documents by people in, in trying to improve the industry, trying to get the industry on board with, with things. And, and I found a lot of support out there, but organizationally things just didn't, didn't work. It, it, they just, it, you know, they'd say it was too expensive. It can't happen. It'll take too long. It's too hard, whatever it is, you know, there's all these things. I even wrote a, a paper for the board. I was on the strategy task, uh, strategic task force to help them develop their strategy. And this is the ResNet board. For the ResNet board. And, and I, and I wrote a paper and sent it, you know, submitted it. This is, this is what, if we want to prepare for the future, this is what we need to do. And, and, you know, it's like, I got a nice pat on the head and it was like, okay, that's nice. Um, and then lots of other things were going on and it was just, it was just clear to me that what needed to be done to bring clarity, to bring consistency, to bring trust, to bring transparency, wasn't going to happen. Um, the structure that that we were in didn't didn't allow that. So I resigned from all of that. I was like, I you know, screw it. I don't need this. You know, I'll go make money selling T-shirts on the beach or something. Uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of different things. We've got we own two other companies. The, uh, you know, we go, one is a marketing company and, and one of them is online education. And we do some live workshops and things like that with a focus on uh, business management and leader development. Uh, and then we've got a marketing company. We do research and other things and creative work. All, all within the building industry? No, oddly enough, uh, some of it's within the building industry, but most of it is outside the building industry. You know, we 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 produced a, an award-winning video for a city. Uh, we've produced um, marketing pieces for these guys. They make these uh, motorized carts for for hotel maids, okay. and 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 you know we produced a video show you know for their salespeople to demonstrate how everything works so they can go sell these things to the hotels and whatnot and we we do all kinds of weird interesting little gigs uh that come in and i you know and i was happy doing that and you know we were trying to figure out how to exit uh from the energy rating industry and then last year our clients kept coming back to us and going you know we really we really wanted an alternative to resnet and so, so are these uh builder builder clients that are some of them are builder clients and uh, a lot of them are energy rating companies okay because you were a provider the dome group was a provider too did you give up your providership yeah we gave up our providership um a long time we maintained our qad status and so we did contract qad work um but but we we gave up our providership. We were still, we are still a training provider. The Dillon Group Inc. is a training provider with ResNet. And, and so I, I just, 
our clients kept asking and, and like, okay, you know, so we said, all right, we'll do it. You know, Energy Star had put out a thing for um, a couple of years earlier in 2020, I guess they'd put out a thing for uh, new home certification organizations could apply and become an alternative to, to ResNet. So, so we went to be clear, you're saying that um, Building Science Institute is an alternative to um, ResNet from a oversight perspective, from generation of the energy rating index. Um, what what are they an alternative for? An alternative for everything except for standards writing. Okay. So, you know, we we actually were out there, you know, looking, and th this was last year. I was looking at all those things that I'd proposed th to get done within ResNet, and think, and I kept thinking about that, and I was like, you know, those are really good ideas, and so I ran them by a bunch of different people, and was able to refine them, uh, and then. We started the Energy Star uh, Home Certification Organization application process and got further refinement of those ideas. I put together a quality council. Um, so we've got Amber Wood, we've got Kevin Burke, we've got Brian Christensen, Eric Strait. And, and it was kind of weird because I called up uh, Dave Roberts over at NREL and I was like, I'm going to need a software tool. And he was like, well, and, it, and I said, and they have to use energy plus is the calculation engine that's the requirement so uh, you know who's working with your guys over there <laughs> to produce this software and he pointed me in a direction and i reached out to this one team and they were like we're so glad you're talking to us because we want to show you what we've done and they showed me what they've what they had built they had been, and I didn't know this, but while I was writing all of these papers, they'd been reading them. They'd been attending the presentations, been looking into the future, and they were building that tool that I was seeing could happen. They built it. And, and I was like, holy cow, I can't believe you guys did this. And, and it's the first tool that meets the, because we use the Energy Plus calculation engine, meets the tighter yeah, I'm, I'm criteria. Gonna... I'm going to jump in right now just to make sure that it's clear when you're talking about a tool, you're talking about the software, a software tool to calculate the energy rating index score, right? Correct. Okay. And and so, and, and other things is like, it, it's energy plus, it calculates all, <laughs> all kinds of things. And, and so it's the first software tool that passes the Energy Star software test which is pretty stringent. You're only allowed to be one point either way of energy plus on an index. And they give you, they give you the, the houses and you, you know, you got to run the models and it, that's pretty tight. And then it also, because it's again, using energy plus, it passes the ASHRAE standard 140 tighter acceptance criteria that Neil Cruz has been pushing for that um, for some reason hasn't yet been implemented over ResNet, but we've done it. And, and it's an integrated tool. It goes from energy modeling, plans and specifications, 
all the way through and integrates the data workflow, the data inputs from field inspections, go directly back into the calculation engine in real time so that it's constantly, you can constantly see what, what's happening. And then of course it gives great transparency into the system, the quality management checks that we've got baked into it. It allows us to do, uh, it leverages technology so that our work becomes better. The work that the verifiers are doing in the field becomes better and and lives become human lives become easier and and that's what it's supposed to be about right that's how that's what technology is supposed to do. it's not supposed to make your life harder it's supposed to make your life easier and by baking all of these things in we catch them before the mistake happens there's this immediate feedback loop to the people in the field they didn't do something that they were supposed to do or they did something they weren't supposed to do, they're notified immediately and they get the opportunity to fix it. And if they don't fix it, then the quality team gets notified. So we go, oh, we need to go talk to this person and find out. They probably have a good reason for why they did what they did, we need to know. And, and it's always about how do we improve the process? How do we improve the workflow? How do we improve this? It's all about making people better at doing their job. And it's not, you know, we're not the policemen. And, and, you know, the sad thing is ResNet's not the policeman either. They're not a regulatory body. I don't care how many times they say it. They're not. Regulatory bodies are government agencies. You can't just appoint yourself to be a regulatory body. It kind of reminds me of the story. It, it's apocryphal or, or urban legend, but outside the, the, in Bath, England, outside the zoo, or no, Bristol, Bristol, England, outside the zoo, there's a parking lot. And people showed up one day and, and the parking lot had always been free, but they showed up one day and there was a guy with a booth and, you know, chair and shade and was charging for people to come in and park. And for 20 some years, he charged people to park at this parking lot. And then one day he didn't show up. So the zoo calls the city and says, hey, we need you to get your another parking attendant out here. And the city looked up and they looked it up in the records. They didn't have a parking. They didn't even own that parking lot. It was owned by the Bristol Zoo. And they said, well, you need to get your parking attendant out there. And they go, but we have never had a parking. That was your guy. Turns out, you know, the guy didn't. He just decided I'll make some money and charge people for parking in a free parking lot. You know, and it's, and it's kind of what happens when you point yourself to be something. It's like, but is it true? And it turns out it, it's not, you know. The only authority in, in proper quality management, the only authority that you have is through regulations, which are laws. And those are enforced by government agencies like codes, those kinds of things. You know, you break the law, the police show up, you don't get your CO, uh, you lose your license to do things. Government agencies that can do that. Or contracts. And in well, contracts. ResNet has the ability to take away someone's certification or providership or something. So in that sense, they have the ability to regulate their their small sphere of influence. Well, they can control their customers by doing that, but they can't regulate the industry. Yeah. You know, they, they can control their customers. And that's the that was the key piece to this is when I, I finally started to understand what how we can apply proper quality management to the energy rating industry, everything became much easier, much simpler, because it's not about being police. It's not about being the industry police. How do we make things better? Yeah, we're going to find people who are non-conforming. 
and we'll deal with that. And we've got a process in place that the EPA vetted all of our policies, processes, and procedures. We've got a policy in place for when we find things, and we're pretty tight on, you know, how many mistakes can you make, but we also are pretty tight on, let's make sure that was an intentional thing and not, you know, somebody just had a bad day. You know, there's a big difference. And so we started looking at that and we started looking at what are the causes, the root causes of inconsistency. And one of the root causes in, of inconsistency is the provider system itself. You've got software providers and every software tool gives you a different output. You've got quality providers, rate, you know, they call them rating providers, right? And I don't know, there's like a hundred of those guys running around and they all enforce the rules differently. Yeah. And, and then you've got training providers and there's a bunch of training providers and they all have different levels of quality of training that they deliver, you know, from, you know, a, a two day workshop, congratulations, you're, can go out and be an energy rater to, you know, we, we, our workshops were two weeks long and it's like, okay, you know, cause we not only teach you what you need to know to pass the test, but we teach you what you need to know to do your job well. And so, you know, there's all this, this variation creates these inconsistencies. So we thought, well, if we're reimagining the in rating industry, why don't we just really reimagine it? What if there were no providers? Because that's the source of a lot of this variation. You pick a winner for the software. We picked the Energy Plus Calculation Engine. We only had one software tool that was available, and it's an awesome tool. Um, the House Raider, House Raider software, amazing. That, the engine, you picked the engine primarily because it's an open source uh, engine and you didn't have to develop it yourself? Yeah, well, I also tried to get ResNet to adopt Energy Plus as the calculation engine back in 2015, but um, they said no. <laughs> well, did they really say no or did the software developers push back and say, and I don't know, say that it, was, it wasn't feasible? I mean, who, who said no? Do you think executive director said no the yeah. board of directors said no voted on it well they did vote on it but there was it was floated for quite some time that there would be a single engine and then the software developers would uh be developing the interface to that engine yeah. and the rationale for not going that direction seemed to be that uh there was i guess the economics of of the software developers who already had developed the software engine that was different than Energy Plus. Yeah, so in a public board meeting, the executive director said it would cost a million dollars for ResNet to do uh, Energy Plus as the calculation engine. And so the board members were like, well, we're not gonna spend a million dollars. And I can tell you, it does not cost a million dollars to use an open source calculation engine. Yeah. And did he, in that meeting, was there analysis provided that demonstrated that it was going to cost that amount? No. No. Just a, just the word of the director there. Yeah. So you had mentioned Neil Cruz, and Neil Cruz is the um, 
chair of the software consistency task group for ResNet, correct? Yeah. And, um, do you have any work, does your software have any interactions with that group? Or is everything uh, completely separate from ResNet? Everything is completely separate on our software from ResNet. The, uh, we do have um, a member of the Quality Council who serves on ResNet committees and is part of the Software Consistency Task Force, but he has nothing to do with our software tool. Yeah. Uh, and the software tool um, is utilizing, I guess it would be um, Energy Plus, is using ANSI 301 for how to calculate the energy rating index score yeah interestingly enough uh this kind of blew my mind you know we went to all the trouble to put all those equations together and in ANSI 301 when i was chairing the committee and we wrote the first version and the second edition and you know we went you know into the weeds on these calculations and these equations and all the rest of this and it turns out the resnet software tests do not verify that those calculations are actually implemented in the software tools. Hmm. And I thought, well, first I thought, what? <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, why did we bother writing all of these things if nobody, if we can't make sure there's no, we can't make sure that they're actually being done. And then I discovered that with um, Energy Plus, they had to faithfully implement all of those equations. It, you know, first of all, the Department of Energy um, supports it and you know developed it and maintains it through national renewable energy lab they had to implement all of those equations and you can see you know you can actually get in there and see it gets open source you can get in there and see here's the equations here's how this works and and then i was like okay so so i'm confident that this tool is doing what that standard says it's supposed to do and because it's based on the ANSI standard and not the minhers standards we're we can only do the equations and everything um, based on the ANSI standard. Mm -hmm. So this is where I, I noticed another um, area of, of deviation starting to take place. The Minhurst standards. Um, in, well, so real quick, let's define Minhurst for for folks. Yeah, this is the ResNet proprietary standards that create a variant of the energy rating index produced by ANSI 301, uh, the, the national standard, the public standard. Um, and the variant mortgage, is the mortgage industry, national, <laughs> home energy national rating system. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, you know, we love acronyms in this business almost as much as the military. Yeah. So, so the, we noticed that you know, in all the work that we've been doing and over the years, we noticed that the HERS index was changing while the energy use in the home wasn't changing. And we know that the HERS index is not, there's no correlation between energy consumption, energy use, and the HERS index because they're, they're not. Uh, the HERS index is all about variation in loads between the reference home and the rated home and has nothing to do with energy consumption. So, but we noticed that these things were changing and they were they were changing like not in the same cycle as 
ANSI publication. Um, so we were thinking like, well, why is this happening? And then we went and looked and sure enough, there's a, a, an interim amendment or an addendum in the MNHRS that is not carried over to the ANSI standard. And so then the, in a rush to, to change things with the HERS index, what they've done is they've created a, a variation, a variant really, of the ANSI standard. The big problem though, when they, whenever because you do continual maintenance. Well, or... MNHRS is the ANSI standard is under continuous maintenance, but they, but their publication cycles are different. And here's where the real problem hits. Codes adopt a very specific version. Yeah. And that's the referenced version. Anything that's after that is not code. Anything before that is not code. The reference version is the one in the code. So as they change the HERS index, modify it away from that referenced standard in the code, all of a sudden what they've produced is no longer code compliant. Yeah, that's true, but that's not, they're not, doing that by changing the MNHRS standard, they're doing that by the continual maintenance of ANSI 301, because it's ANSI 301 that is codified a specific oh, version. They changed it in the MNHRS. You can- you, MNHRS doesn't have, MNHRS isn't in charge, it isn't guiding the development of, of the energy rating index score. Correct. It does the development of the HERS index. No, yeah. the then HERS the 301 does the development of the um, of the uh, HERS of every energy rating index. No, it doesn't. And and that's well, one of the big challenges because the energy rating index is governed by 301, right? Yeah. The HERS index is a proprietary variant of that. And it's proprietary yes. because it changes and it's different than 301. It will always be different than 301. Because they can push through interim amendments in MNHRS, which they have done, and you can go back and look at the record. They've pushed through interim amendments in MNHRS, which have changed the equations for the HERS index, and those same changes have not been made to 301, even under continuous maintenance. Uh, yeah, I, it's not making sense to me. Um, well, it I didn't make sense to me either. Even the process of, of the continual maintenance of 301 changing the calculation and that calculation being out of step with what's been codified. But the MNHRS, what's, what constitutes the MNHRS standards, the minimum or the mortgage industry national energy rating standards that are things uh, with regards to quality assurance, things with regards to um, non-calculation items that are used within the ResNet organization to run that program, but the energy rating index itself 
is has always been developed uh, since the development of, of the ANSI standard by the 301 standard um, alone is my understanding. And well, what's the happened, problem though. with code is that code has amended the 301 standard within the body of the code. Yeah, so that's that's a separate issue. And so, but I can tell you that the calculations, if you look, if you just go back and look at the amendments to the MNHRS, because you can look at the ANSI addendum and you can look at the MNHRS amendments, you will find calculations embedded in there in the MNHRS side. Okay, we'll take a look at that. Because that's and and that's that's the thing that really really got me, you know, because that was not supposed to happen, and it and it and it's happened. And it was like, and and one thing that we noticed was that the HERS index kept getting lower and lower and lower, but we're not seeing any corresponding drops in energy consumption or energy usage in the home, but the number kept getting lower and lower and lower. Can and then, you give a specific example? Um, I'm thinking that you might be talking about the size adjustment factor or the um, maybe even something that had to do with water or um, no. something that something like that 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 is doing this. No, it's changes being made in the software tools and and not because of of changes in the standards related to those issues we looked back and and we started when we noticed that equations were showing up in the minhers interim amendments when we noticed that we started tracking changes to the hers index and it's those equations which were not being implemented in the ansi 301 standard on the same cycle um, it was like, well, this is, this is weird. And so we, we started going in it and we could literally, we had one of our clients went back and looked at a house that they, they just raided and they looked back to three versions earlier of the software tool and ran it and they got a 10 point difference in the HERS index. And then they ran it two versions ago and they got another variation in the HERS index. And they ran it to the version previous and they got another variation in the HERS index. But you look at the energy rating index portion for like code compliance or any any closest thing that we could get to for the for the energy rating index out of the software tools. And we didn't get that same kind of drop. And that made us stop and think that, you know, there's something going on here. And so it was, it, it was an issue and, and it just drives more inconsistency. And it's, so, it's yeah, I mean, it just brings up all these questions because um, I have noticed um, variation between the code energy rating index and the HERS ResNet energy rating index. But that variation between the two scores has been 
I believe, pinpointed to the ventilation amendment that was made in the code, the body of the code itself, not because of some impact on the MinHERS standards that is impacting um, impacting the ANSI 301 standard. What the other part of that variation is because, like you said, ANSI is fixed in time. The ANSI standard is fixed in time in the code, while the 301 standard is under continual maintenance. So if you're rating a house on the 2015 IECC, you'll and you're giving it a energy rating index, but you're also giving it in 2022 a energy rating index, all of those changes to the ANSI standard will create variation in those two scores. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Don't believe it. I, I, I really have a high, hard time believing that that's an issue with the MinHER standards. Um, and yeah. so I need to go in and, and try to figure out. Yeah, you're, you're right about the, I mean, there's a number of things that, modifications in the code, in the body of the code that modify the energy rating index. Um, the biggest one is the is the ventilation one. But you can look at what the, you know, run the software tool and you'll see here's this, here's this energy rating index for the code. And here's a hers index. And then you change the version of the software tool. And the energy rating index for the code stays roughly the same. And yet the hers index changes, fluctuates. Yeah. And so I, I think I've seen that as well. Tells you that it's not the variation between MinHER, between the code version of the ERI and through the 301 version of the ERI. There's also an indication in there that there's something else going on. And, and when we look at the MinHER's interim amendments and we see equations that are in there that are not in the ANSI addenda, we go, okay. And, and there's there's a lot of them. Yeah, like, well, I, think, I think that's, I mean, that, that could be true. And I, I ne I'll need to go check that out um, unless, and it would be helpful potentially if you offered uh, a specific example, um, if you can. But it also seems that because there is little oversight of the software developers that they can interpret these standards in different ways that every time they do, they offer a software release, you end up seeing a variation in, in not only the energy rating index scores for both HERS and code, but also one house that might've passed the cost compliance report for code one day after the version comes out, it doesn't. Uh, yeah. because Maybe it's because of these these uh, equations that are in the MinHER standard, like you're saying, but it also seems like it's probably interpretation of the software developer on how to model a specific component. Yeah, that is um, that is a, a thing that happens, you know, no doubt about it. The, Which would be a benefit of a single engine, like you're 
you're pointing to. Well, so, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we did a single engine uh, was simply because we were like, you know, this this cannot this cannot be. You know, I mean, it, it, we've got a choice to to eliminate these things. Why don't we do that? So mm -hmm. that's what we went out and did. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting world that we live in, you know, because we tried to do everything within the industry and didn't get anywhere. And I walked away from it entirely. And yeah. then, you know, now we've come back. I didn't want to do that. Um, How's it going? You know, it's going really, really well. I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, so, for example, uh, when you talk about um, I think you're you're trying to double task here. <laughs> I am. I am trying to, I'm, I'm doing it horribly. Um, so when we, when we talk about things, oh, uh, anyway, when we talk about the software tools and the things that, that create all these problems, um, a single source, you know, I, I saw this back in 2012, 2013. I started to see, you know, you solve that problem by going to a single source calculation engine. Yeah. And and Energy Plus solves that. So that's what we did. And and then we thought, well, what else causes the problems? Well, it's the variation in training, variation in this. So we eliminated training providers. We provide the certification training and and we that way it's consistent. We know that everybody is trained to the same level. And, and we eliminated uh, the, these horrible tests um, because if you wanna know if somebody knows how to do a job, you don't ask them about the job. You put them up against the job and say, can you do it? Mm -hmm. And so we eliminated the tests in favor of this you know, heavy observation regime that allows us in with house Raider, we can do this very easily, allows us to see, do they know how to do the job? Is and it kind of like a mentorship? It's directly through a mentorship program. It is required that they have a mentorship program. And if their company doesn't have one, then we provide the mentorship. And, and that way we know that, because it's in the company's best interest to have people who know how to do the job and it's in our best interest and we've got a tool that can track all of that so why not do that and yeah. so we eliminated the training providers and we eliminated the quality assurance providers or the, the rating providers for the same reason we have the consistency we have rating companies you know some of our clients have their own internal quality management team that we train and that we work with and we oversee their work and so it allows companies to scale up without increasing, you know, in costs, our system can save, uh, 
we looked at it, it's about 60 up to 60% of time that is currently wasted, you know, watching people do another blower door test or another duck blaster test when you don't need to, because the ResNet universe treats everybody the same, when in fact you only need to be looking for the people who aren't performing well and either do an intervention to bring them up or do an intervention to get them out. But you don't really need to go spend that same level of time on everybody who's doing a great job. So why would you, why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. And in that targeted, doing those targeted interventions works great, especially because, you know, companies can start to invest their time and effort in, in money where it's needed and not where it's wasted. Yeah. And, and so we looked at how do you streamline everything? And so we reimagined the energy rating industry knowing everything that we've learned over the years, um, the quality council, I don't know, there's probably over a century of building and energy rating experience, you know, sitting in, in that group. And then my experience and the experience of my team that, you know, we started leveraging it, like, what could we do? And how would this work and thinking through everything. And it was really, it was really difficult to to get out of the the kind of thinking that led to all the problems that the industry has and to start thinking well what could we do what should we do and then of course you know getting everything passed by the by the EPA uh, you know they're they're not cupcakes when it comes to this and our system was so innovative and so different that we were held to a higher standard and we had to undergo more scrutiny because nobody had ever seen this before in the energy rating industry. And, and I took the, the uh, ISO standard 17020, which is quality management on companies that do inspections. Yeah. And, and I found international standards um, from other other countries that literally took that standard and had modified it slightly to cover doing inspections for energy efficiency in buildings. And I thought, okay, so this system works elsewhere. It's just never been done here. Yeah. Well, are I'm you working sure. with that other group out of Florida? I think that um, tried to use the ISO standard to create a, an index and uh, inspection process. Nope, not working with them at all. Who was that? Do you remember? Um, you know, I, Triconic. I think right. that was the company. I think that was the company. Yeah. Um, but I have not. Um, no, we haven't worked with any of those, any of the other companies that are, that were out but there. You went. You kind of went down the same path because they were using that uh, ISO standard as well. <laughs> I'm breaking into the conversation here to add some context and clarity. You just heard that Brett feels that BSI was held to a different standard, a higher standard than others that have applied to Energy Star to become a home certification organization. To be clear, there are currently only two Energy Star home certification organizations, ResNet and now BSI. Home certification organizations, or HCOs, 
are independent organizations recognized by EPA to implement the Energy Star Certification Program. The program is based on Energy Star residential new construction program requirements for site-built single-family and multifamily homes and apartments when an Energy Rating Index compliance path is used. Energy rating companies and providers who offer third-party verification and certification for the Energy Star label are required to operate under an HCO. I asked Energy Star about Brett's statement, and they sent me the following response. Quote, it's important to remember that Energy Star has had a formal application for organizations to apply for recognition as an HCO since 2007. So this opportunity has been around for quite some time. However, until now, no applicant, aside from ResNet, who also was required to apply, has demonstrated that they, they have met the Energy Star's HCO requirements. BSI was not held to a higher standard in achieving EPA recognition as an HCO. Rather, they were held to the same standards that EPA set forth in our application process to become an HCO, which you can find online. Our panel reviewed the BSI application in the same way that ResNets and others have been, and it was determined that BSI met all of the requirements and demonstrated the capabilities, the competencies, and proper controls to implement an Energy Star certification program. As a result, BSI was recognized as an HCO." End quote. In this light, I have to say that I believe that I misspoke when I said that Energy Star is using more than one HCO. Instead, Energy Star has recognized another organization that has met the requirements to become an HCO. EPA does not encourage nor discourage raters from working with any specific HCO for their Energy Star certification and labeling processes. The EPA recognizes an additional HCO does not obligate a rating company to change any aspect of their participation with the Energy Star program, nor their relationship with their current HCO. Energy Star's recognition of another HCO does not imply a dissatisfaction with ResNet. It's simply a matter of allowing a pathway for another qualified organization to participate, which has been Energy Star's intent since they first developed the application process to become an HCO. The next thing I wanted to clarify is the Builders Federal Tax Credit called 45L that gave builders a $2,000 credit for meeting efficiency requirements as spelled out by the legislation. The 45L credit expired on December 31st, 2021. In the past, the credit has been retroactively reauthorized. Most believe that it will be reauthorized again sometime in 2022. And in fact, it was part of the Biden Build Back, Build Back Better legislation that has stalled in Congress currently. This time, however, the credit could change as it has been proposed that a $2,500 credit be offered for homes that achieve the Energy Star certification and a $5,000 credit be issued meet if the home meets the DOE Zero Energy Ready Homes program. It's unclear if the legislation will be pulled out of the Build Back Better legislation, if it, if it will be retroactively reauthorized, or if we have seen the end of these builder incentive programs. Lastly, I have been trying to find a better explanation of energy rating index. It might be helpful for you to look up the Home Energy Rating Index on Wikipedia. 
what's written there may or may not be less biased by ResNet and BSI, but it's on a neutral site. Here's how it describes an energy rating index. Quote, a home energy rating index can be used to estimate the energy efficiency of a home compared to a reference home built to the 2006 IEC standard, or estimate the efficiency of a home that is being constructed or improved, end quote. So I think I will stick to the notion that, that the energy rating index score has value as an asset rating that allows the consumer to compare the relative efficiency of homes of different sizes and configurations and homes that have been constructed by different manufacturers or builders, Sim similar to what a miles per gallon rating does in the automotive industry. Now let's get back to my conversation with Brett Dillon, CEO of Building Science Institute. So another question is, with regards to House Raider. House Raider is a an interface software to the engine, correct? So yes. you put you put your uh, inputs into House Raider to get your software engine to do the calculation. Uh, and right now is House Raider is um, being through with its interface to energy gauge is developing an energy rating index score sounds like yep. uh, uh developing a um compliance certificate for energy star yes okay is it also doing code compliance verification yes uh for ua trade-off pathway for uh ua and cost performance Cost compliance, and then I assume for the ERI pathway as well, since they're developing oh, yeah. ERI. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, and it's able to report all those those things. It's able to report those. Um, plus, with uh, with House Raider, you can see the uh, the reference home HPXML, the rated home HPXML, and you can see the data that went in and the data that came out. So you can, if, if anybody cared to, they could go and make sure that House Raider is doing exactly what it's supposed to do, which is- uh, Explain HPMXL real quick. I wish I could. I'm technically incompetent. Um, <laughs> most... You're talking about the reference home and the, the data that's going into the reference home and how it's calculated and uh, the data that's yeah. going into the rated home. Yeah, HPXML is the language that they use to so that different systems can talk to each other. Yeah. And and so you can go in there and you can look at it. You can see what the data that went in, see the data that came out. You, and House Raider doesn't fiddle with the data after Energy Plus calculation engine spits out the results. And it captures all the data that we need. We've got over 300 data validation checks built into the tool. So if somebody's putting in something that's unreasonable, then, you know, we get notified, they get notified first, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And, and then if they, if they manually override it, so they're intentionally choosing something that is outside their bounds, uh, then, then we go, okay, now it's time for somebody to have a call. And we do an intervention to see, you know, why did they make that choice? What was going on? 
because it may be a perfectly reasonable choice or maybe they just guessed or maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they fat fingered something. I don't know, but we'll find out. Yeah. And it's that search for truth. It's the search for the truth of the house. It's the search for the truth of the process. And where can we find ways to improve the process and how can we help our clients build a better business by improving the process in which they do their work, improving right. the system. That's the only way you can get quality improvements. Quality improvements is about building a better business. It's not about, you know, finding the bad guys and throwing them out on their ear. Yeah. So let me ask some more kind of probing questions. Sure. Um, we, we've determined that it can do Energy Star and code compliance. Mm -hmm. uh, can the software package, including House Raider and, and um, the engine, uh, can it do compliance for the DOE Zero Energy Ready Home program? We're working on that next. Next, I okay. just I just landed the we just got approved by the Energy Star people last okay. week. Um, at the you different know. Uh, certification organization process, you have to also get with with the DOE, and yeah. then. Um, but, but I've been told by the DOE um, folks that they're going to follow the Energy Star system, so. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be a hard deal for us. Great. And then I guess the last one is the tax credit, uh, 45L. Uh, has it been certified for that? Well, it depends on if the 45L gets approved yeah. uh, with Energy Star. And if that's the case, then yes, we are. And if that's not the case, we've got everything baked into it to do it. Yeah. Uh, you just have to do the go through that certification process. I guess for the if most likely if it gets reapproved, it will be retroactively approved too. So yeah, who knows what they're going to require in the retroactive houses? I assume that what they've required in the past. It it's like standing behind a hippo when it comes out of the water and decides to go. You know, who knows where yeah. this stuff's going to land? <laughs> and okay, and it's, you so, know, and it, it's a funny thing. I'm oh, sorry, ahead. from an energy raters perspective, it sounds like it wouldn't be a difficult switch uh, to this. Uh, and then it sounds like you're also offering a, a data management um, platform. Uh, my understanding of what House Raider can do, that you're not only providing software and uh, software engine and interface, but you're offering reporting for and certification for all these programs and codes as similar to what the current softwares are doing, uh, but potentially a data management system. Yeah, well, in fact, there you can customize reports in HouseRaider. You can customize the workflow in HouseRaider as well. Um, but you can customize the reports in HouseRater and anything that goes into the calculation engine can be put into a report. Anything that comes out of the calculation engine can be put into a report. And so if you if they ever wanted customized reporting, whatever, all the data is there and it resides in HouseRater. And the neat thing for me is subcontractors to the builders can get access to the pro their projects where they're the they're listed subcontractor 
and they can upload documents. The HVAC contractors can upload their load calculations, can upload their duct designs, can upload their um, their startup sheets or the results if they're using a different application or whatever. They can load all of that into House Raider so the Energy Raiders know, oh, here's all that documentation that I need to do my job. And, and if it's not in there, then you might not need to go out and do that inspection because <laughs> it may not be ready. Um, you can also, the insulation contractors can upload their documentation um, that they've done their job. And here's how many bags they blew in, or here's, you know, here's what they sprayed, here's what they did. And they can upload it into there. And it starts allowing us to have more insight into which contractors are doing better jobs for their builders than others. We can track failure rates mm -hmm. between, you know, different HVAC contractors. We can track it right down to the superintendent, which superintendents have more reinspections than others. Yeah. And we can give these report cards on the superintendents, on the trade contractors. We can do all of that, generate those report cards out of House Raider and provide those to the builders so that they can improve their process. And we give this, I mean, it's not us doing it, it's our clients doing it, but our clients can do that. So now they've got added value to the builder, helping them build better homes that are actually energy efficient. They're not being pencil whipped. They're not being, you know, fudged through some, you know, something else, but they're actually building better homes and it's all documented. Yeah. Right. And there's no, there's much less risk, especially when it comes to, to ESG issues for, um, for production, publicly owned production builders. There's much less risk when you have that level of documentation to support your energy efficiency claims for ESG to stock, uh, to stockholders, to shareholders. There's a lot more, a lot less risk there in, in that system because we've got the evidence to support it. Everything that we've we've gathered along the way to say this house earned that certification. These people did their did the right job. They did their job the right way. And yeah, this house earned it. Interesting. Um, so you have a number of clients, I would say energy raters, um, that are or energy rating companies that are uh, using your system um, and it sounds like the feedback is good um, are you able to offer this uh, across the country we do work everywhere except the state of california okay and, uh, and the reason <laughs> california is its own little beast uh, yeah. with their own codes and everything i just didn't want to get into it maybe someday but you know but we we can do work in we can do energy star work in all 50 states and we do the energy rating index work in 49. okay um and code compliance and whatnot in 49. yeah and what um or do you currently have clients in every state or where where what states are you working in so right now we have clients from nevada to new york okay. so and 
Does that mean Nevada and New York? Or? No, no. <laughs> Literally, there's a there's a band that runs from Nevada to New York of, of clients, um, and and we're we're adding new clients all the time. Um, and you're creating a um, certification process for your clients to be able to use your system. Yeah, we actually have a. a more stringent so you know the first problem that you have when you're starting something new and there's been you know an incumbent in in place for 30 years you know we had to find a way that would allow clients to transfer over mm-hmm. and so we look at we every company when they they apply to do business with us because the first thing is we we don't know that we want to do business with them um, just because they apply doesn't mean they get accepted. And so there's an application process for the company. And then we go through that. We look, we check them out. And then we go through a, uh, we send them a secondary interest disclosure form where they have to disclose all the other things that they have going on. And then we schedule a time to talk. We would discover what their needs are. And then we send them a proposal to capture again, here's what we we had going on. Here's what we agreed to. The meeting of the minds took place and here's what we've agreed to. They signed the proposal, I signed the proposal, Mm -hmm. and then we moved to contract. When they sign the contract, everybody that works for them fills out an application. And this is all online and it's pretty easy to fill out. It's pretty simple, but it allows you to go through and verify everything. It's on your Building Science Institute website? Um, the company application is, but you can't get to the to the verifier application unless you're involved in our process, um, becoming a client. And it's because we've got that protected. And one of the one of the things that we look at is, you know, what's your experience and background? And then based on your current credentials that you have, we award you a certification credential in our system. And for example, like our quality assurance folks have to have, it it works out to about 120 hours of training to be in the quality assurance team. Mm -hmm. And, And if you don't have any of the required training that we need for you to have that certification, we give you a year to get it done. We require all of our field uh, field verifiers, all of them, to be ICC certified energy code inspectors. And we provide the training to pass that test for free. And so we can, you know, it's not a barrier to the company to do that. They basically just have to, you know, guy has to pay for the exam and the ICC proctors that exam. We give them a year to get that done if they don't already have it. So that we're starting off with that as the basement is the ICC energy code plans examiner if you're doing software analysis or if you're just if you're doing field work the energy inspector and then if you're going to be doing both software and field then you need to have the combined plans examiner and energy code inspector certification and then we layer on top of that the other requirements you know, the Energy Star single family, Energy Star multifamily. So we've broken that out into tiers. 
-hmm. so that you've got level one for single family level two is multifamily because to get to multifamily you had to do single family first um so we do that and then we've also got the required training programs for um, the ACA 310. We've got the required uh, training programs for 380, required training programs for 301, um, the inspection protocols, all of that baked into our, our certification system. Based on- uh, Water index as well? No, um, because we're gonna partner with you know, the Energy Star Water Sense program. That's where we're headed. And one of the things that we've discovered is there's not a lot of people taking, not a lot of builders interested in the HERS H2O. And because it's a proprietary ResNet thing, we can't do that anyway. Yeah. Is that, but, uh, you could use the WERS, the water energy rating the other system well when it's an ANSI standard that's fully out there sure um but why when you've got a perfectly good program that works in water sense yeah it just it doesn't yeah i mean the only potential rationale i guess would be um being able to quantify it in a score for marketing and whatnot yeah but here's what we found and and this is this was interesting because in the last two decades i've been asking builders you know what do you care about none of them cared about the score mm -hmm. they go well that's just for marketing we don't care and i was like okay so what do you care about and so they tell me so i collected all of these responses from all these different builders from custom home builders to production builders to builders in one region and all over the country. And, and I started looking, I was like, okay, well, what is the common theme? What is the common thread? And how do I build a system that allows raiders to deliver that, what the builders actually want? And then I started looking at it and it's like, well, for marketing purposes, do they really need that score? Like, so we did some research and it turns out that most of the sales agents in the builder sales centers have no idea what that score is and they don't talk about that score the homeowners never ask the home buyers never ask about that score and it turns out that score is pretty much meaningless and then it doesn't have anything that relates to something that somebody actually cares about particularly on the on the index side in the reality of it you know the the reality is you know is when was the last time you you cared about the variation in energy loads on your house versus a theoretical reference home? Well, I, I, I guess if you ask that question that way, um, no, but the energy rating index to me is a very simple and straightforward way for consumers to have a quick glimpse of the performance of the house that they're considering. Uh, but it has nothing to do like, with the performance of the house that they're considering. It's completely well, disconnected from energy consumption. Well, as an asset rating, similar to the miles per gallon rating, I think it it gives you, again, uh, one means of comparing house A to house B that aren't, you know, exactly the same house. 
So I think it, it the energy rating index, not saying specifically the HERS, but an energy rating index, I think uh, does have value. Um, and um, even though builders and builder, specifically builder Salesforce doesn't utilize it, doesn't minimize the value that could be created from using that that scale. Yeah, it's just that what it measures or purports to measure isn't anything that anybody cares about. So how could you possibly get traction in the market? Again, you know, thinking about the broader market, how do you get traction in the broader market and expand the people that are hiring energy raters when the thing, the product you're delivering doesn't matter to them. It's not anything that they're concerned about. What they're concerned about is energy consumption, absolutely. But you can produce that report. Here's the estimated energy consumption on the house. Mm-hmm. And they can look at that and they can look at a different house's energy consumption report and go, oh, look, this one will cost us less money to live in. People can do that kind of math. It's not complicated. Yeah. You know, and it just seems like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you stop and think about it, nobody really cares about variations in loads. You know, the reason builders care about the index is if it's in code and it gives them that that code compliance path gives them more flexibility than other code compliance paths. But outside of that, they don't really care. And I mean, that's what we found. And and homeowners don't care. Homeowners don't know. And and for heaven's sakes, the the index is not a miles per gallon rating for a house. Um, you know, I mean, you can get in trouble with the Federal Trade Commission on that kind of stuff because that's not true. It, it has no correlation with energy consumption, no correlation with energy use. So, you know, that's that's when you get into dangerous ground with the Federal Trade Commission, which is, you know, frankly, I'm surprised that nobody's nobody's stopped and thought like about that, because I know that when that analogy was was first used and when some videos were produced, Philip Ferry and I were both like, that's wrong that you can't you can't do that. And and it was, you know, it was like, but we did. And it was like, but you. You can't. It, it's not the same. That's not. It's not how that works. You know. I mean, when you're talking about normalizing modified end use loads, normalized modified end use loads, it's like, you know, there's a there's a lot of things going on in there, and some weird interactions that take place, and dumbing gas appliances down to meet electrical appliances, and you know, all these assumptions that get made and things like that. It just sort of disconnects the house. That you're looking at in the software from the house that people are human beings are going to be living in you know the biggest purchase in their life is not reflected in that in that number so you know we we got into it for energy star because that's a program that really does make sure that the house is energy efficient and it's it's a great program the energy rating index because builders need a code compliance path that gives them the flexibility that they need to be able to build better homes 
at the lowest possible cost to them. And, and then how do we figure out a way to deliver these things consistently so that we're not getting variations because this Raider used that software tool or this Raider went through three different software tools and figured out which one gave a lowest number and then decided that's the one they wanted to use. We eliminated that and eliminated the, the challenges of some people doing great work and some people not doing such great work. And yet everybody's seen in the market as being the same. We eliminated that. And we eliminated the inconsistencies in training because it's, and the cost of the training is included in the cost to do business with us. So we don't charge extra for it for our clients. Anybody else wants to get some of our training, they'll have to pay for it. But yeah. yeah. Well, good. I think that uh, summarizes uh, what you're doing very well here at, at the end. And we're uh, getting to, to the end. Um, and I think that I, I can see the value of, of much of what you're talking about, but there's still, I think, some some questions in my mind um, about um, well about the Minhurs and the calculations there. We'll need to do some research on, and um, I don't know. I think that I think you're you're minimizing the value of the energy rating index, uh, and that the you know the index as it is currently codified uh, isn't providing the flexibility and or a pathway that works for builders and hence no builders are really utilizing it unless the jurisdiction has modified it uh, or amended it to be closer to the HERS energy rating index. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I think what you're doing is, is really interesting. Um, I wish you luck with it, and it will be interesting to see how. Um, I guess in, in, the reality is that there's there's competition now, and so it'll be interesting to see how this uh, competition uh, works out in the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, so I do minimize the value of the energy rating index because that number is is not really the thing. The process required to get that energy rating index is where the value lies and that's where we do our best work that's where our clients do their best work it's in that process and the number itself isn't that important the builders don't care about it the homeowners don't care about it but the process to get that number they care about very deeply and that's the work that we honor with our clients is the yeah. process of doing that and making sure that that builder lived up to their promise to deliver an energy efficient, sustainable home to that home buyer. And we help our clients maintain their integrity and our clients help the builders maintain theirs. And it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm usually tired and I just want to go to sleep and I don't want to have nightmares about, you know, all this stuff that could be going wrong when, when we can build a system, we can build a future that works. And we're not bogged down in 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 nonsense. So, yeah, we did. Yeah, well, I think that that makes sense. And there are uh, cases out there that have, um, I guess, stretched the credibility of the current system. And you're trying to resolve that. 
uh, and it I could get like I said it's 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 competition now so we'll see see how it all plays out here I guess in the next year or so yeah well I can say it's going to be fun uh, like everything in my life it's going to be fun yeah <laughs> well thanks so much Brett I really appreciate your time today to explain uh, the Building Science Institute and what you're endeavoring to do it's uh, it's been very interesting yeah thank you it's just been nice to chat with you. I wish we could have a beer together, yeah. uh, but you know, I it's not the same when we're not in the same space. That's true. That's true. Well, we'll we'll hopefully we'll see each other soon. So yeah. uh, let's let's end things here and have a great day. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Buildcast, brought to you by Build Tank Inc. See show notes and learn more about our guests and other episodes. Visit the Buildcast page of our website at www.btankinc.com. Thank you, Ben Sound, for our music and to Ashley Owen for editing it. And you for your encouragement and guidance in the creation of Buildcast. You can listen to Buildcast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite platform. If you enjoyed our show and are willing, please take a moment to subscribe and review Buildcast which will help others find it more easily. Thanks again for listening, and please let us know who you would like to hear next and if you have any suggestions to make BuildCast better. Until next time, be safe and continue to think 0 to 360.